Hi guys, welcome to our podcast, Two and a Half Gays. I'm Theo. I'm Jamal. And I'm Marvin. And we're back at it again another week, guys. Yes, he's back in the house. Yeah, so we're like midway now. We're still luckily in Pride Month. Um, so yeah, a lot actually dropped yesterday. What's today, Sunday? Actually on Friday, with regards to queer content. So... We thought we'd start off today by discussing some TV and movies that have inspired us for Pride Month. Theo. So, starting off with, well, there hasn't, it's not necessarily things that have inspired me. It's more things that I've really enjoyed watching and it's been really great um, because we're living in a time where we never had this queer content that we have now. So... I am really enjoying Legendary. It's still pretty good. I know we spoke about it in the first episode, um, but it's just really, really good. Um, if you're not watching it, don't know why you're sleeping on the show. Um, I binged Love, Simon. It dropped on Wednesday. By Friday, I was done. So I love Victor. Love, Simon was the movie. Binged it. I'm done with it. It was really cute. Um... And there's some controversy around the it. So there's some controversy surrounding the show, but we'll get into that um, later on. And The Politician. Yes, I'm also watching that. And also some Asian dramas, but that's just me. (laughs) Uh, Marvin, what are you watching? I actually started watching La Victor, which I think is very, very cute, to be honest with you. Um, It's the only queer show that I'm watching at the moment. Neo Jamal? So today I kind of went on a little queer binge. I started started off with uh, I watched Maddie and Jamar's review of the latest episode of Drag Race. I think the common consensus for all us Drag Race fans is that this last episode was hot garbage. Just everything was trash. Just the judging, the runway, the bottom three. But that's a discussion for another day. Um, then I w- actually watched um, the Black Queer Town Hall that is the initiative Peppermint and Bob did. And it was really nice seeing so many black queer people um, in kind of a virtual town hall setting. So basically there's like performances, panel discussions. It's basically what Dracon thought she was. This is what black queer town hall is. Um, Yeah, and then what else did I watch? A bunch of other Drag Race stuff, and then I started The Politician, I'm fully in. I love the first season, so I wasn't surprised. Um, I still have to watch Love, Simon. But love, Victor. Love, Victor, sorry. But the thing that stood out for me this weekend was Disclosure. Um, if you don't know, Disclosure is a documentary about um, representation for the trans community and it's on Netflix, and it's a absolutely brilliant documentary. I watched it, and I was shocked, actually, seeing how media has depicted trans people because a lot of a lot of the ways trans people are depicted is very problematic now but in the time because a lot of these movies existed from like when silent films existed up until like uh for silent films 80s 90s and a lot of these films you watch as a kid and you don't realize actually that what media and hollywood has done is created a bubble with regards to how trans people or anyone that's other is represented. And it's just, it opened my eyes a lot. 
Um, I was woefully unaware of a lot of these things. Look, the most recent stuff, obviously, it's glaring obvious, like the that horrible Stonewall movie where they centered that white gay that became the savior, and we all know that's not what happened. And the movie, like, it was already, when it first happened, um, I still remember, like, um, Twitter was also, like, a just a, a hot mess of dragging this film. It's like, you realize this is not what happened. And then subsequently what happened, the movie bombed. <laughs> so, yeah. Deservingly so. And it's, it's, again, it's just this thing of centering white, um, cis, queer men in the gay liberation movement, which has been an ongoing problem where white gay men, um, cis white gay men specifically, just want to talk over all, over all of us. And it's funny how far we've come... Um, with regards to representation in a lot of ways, but we still have a far a lot that needs to be done. But we have come up our way. I'm very happy that trans people aren't just prostitutes anymore, um, aren't portrayed in this one one dimensional manner. Yeah, and it's nice to live in a world now where I could I tweeted this out earlier today actually. I said um, it's really a privilege to sit now here and be able to... I spend my whole day watching queer shows. Well, not necessarily queer shows, but shows with queer characters, but showing queerness in its full spectrum. And I really do find solace in that. You know, we're really kind of lucky to be able to do that because um, I was actually... That's been my whole weekend, actually, just watching queer content. And um, I think it's kind of... It's really great that we're almost at the point where there's so much content to watch that we have the luxury of choice. We're not necessarily as um, um, as fortunate to have an overwhelming amount of options, but we do have enough where we get to like pick and choose some of the stuff we watch, and um, it's really nice to kind of see that. Mm. Um, I also watched Disclosure. It was really beautiful. It was really powerful. Um, a friend of another friend of mine who had watched it um, said that like she cried um, watching it and stuff, and it didn't necessarily affect me in, this, in the same way. But I think that's just because um, being uh, someone within the queer community, we often a lot more um, sensitive to the struggles and kind of like the the challenges. Of representation um, and just seeing yourself on screens because it's already been such a battle so like just seeing seeing some of the problematic things that we um, are kind of aware of then it's it's really just it's the documentary was definitely needed and I do hope more people watch it but um, yeah we just have to kind of be hopeful and see where things go um, what else are you? I think Circles of Books was also quite interesting, to be honest with you. The documentary on Netflix. Did you watch it, Jamal? Which one? The Circles of Books. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, with Alaska. Yes, I did yes. watch. Alaska's, I know Alaska's not the main thing, don't worry. I know what to, I know what the Circles of... I watched it. I also was, unfortunately, the only reason I knew about it was because of Alaska. Sue me, I live in the drag race. SARS. Anyway, continue, sorry. And I thought that was quite interesting. I love these old documentaries that especially showcase, you know, queer culture back then and how it evolved. 
That was actually that's actually one I still need to watch. I did watch the other one um, that Ryan Murphy produced about the two um, lesbian women who had the relationship for so long. I don't know if any of you either watched that. I watched it. Of course, I watched what it. What was it called? Um, um let let no. Y'all know what show we do. <laughs> documentary. The, the one about the two lesbian women that like lived yonks. Yes. Only recently came out that they were actually in a relationship to their immediate family. That one. Theo is looking what it is. But anyway, just while he looks for the name. Um, what I like, what for me again is interesting about the, what's the book saying again? Second of the books. Yes. Um, was the comp complicated relationship people have with queerness so mm -hmm. in in the documentary you have these parents who literally were pioneers for the distribution of gay porn um and they were fine with it they weren't the face of it but they literally built this mini i wouldn't say empire but pretty close to it but then the moment their son one of their sons came out then they couldn't deal with it. And it just shows yet again, uh, we talk about it, like people talk about all the time, the fact that people a lot of times, are f they're fine with gayness and queerness as long as it's not in their house. And you can, sometimes people can be the most liberal people and be open to everything and um, still be fine with gay people, work with gay people, low-key even stand with gay people but the minute it comes too close to home that's when they become averse to it yeah, did you find the name oh you know what else is actually this is totally off queer um movies another interesting documentary on netflix is america's most hated woman have you watched it no oh my f jamal it's so fucked up should i say what's it about should i Yes, go. So it's about this woman who is a complete atheist. She's, she hates religion at all. And one day she drops her son at school and she hears the school children recite the Our Father. And she goes into the classroom and she tells the teacher, but why are you forcing children to recite the Our Father? Because, I mean, this it's not in the school policy, number one. And children should have the right not to recite it and then she takes the school to court she wins the court case and then she starts her own organization i can't remember what the organization was called but then it becomes so interesting because then she makes so much money off this organization because she partakes in debates she partakes in you know um Debates with uh, charismatic pastors to know to make it seem like they're fighting, but they're really not. They're just making it to coin it. And then it comes out that she was actually offshoring her accounts because she's been making all this money. Long story short, she gets kidnapped with her grandson and her granddaughter by these two idiots, and they kill them. And only in 2002, they found their bodies. <laughs> How interesting is that? It's so interesting. It's so fascinating, actually. Netflix, really. Netflix movies. Oh. Netflix, y'all know I love you. But Netflix movies in general are horrendous. But the documentaries are usually on point. The it's movies... Mm, questionable at best. 
Uh, but the documentaries are usually that. Did you find the name? Probably? I did. It's called A Secret Love. Yes. Yes. Uh, that one. <laughs> and then it also reminded me of another documentary um, that I watched on Netflix called um, All in All in My Family, and it was about oh, the one Asian, Asian. the Asian filmmaker and um, his boyfriend, and just kind of like that was also just really fascinating because we don't often get to see the tribute. The, tri- the trials and tribulations that um, Asian that gay Asian men go through so like that was really enjoyable mm-hmm. um, so yeah as as we said Netflix documentaries are a fire another one I recommend is the Marsha P Johnson one that one was also really good yes. um, just about the the trans woman who on all accounts through the first break at Stonewall and Started all of this, yeah, basically. Yes. Civil rights and just who lived such a challenging life, but was also still the light for so many um, queer people. And I highly recommend it. It's moving and it's a part of queer history that everyone has to watch. Um, so yeah, uh, is there any other documentaries maybe that like that's really kind of stand out? Well, the obvious one is Paris is Burning, but I feel like at this stage, everyone should have watched Paris is Burning. Like, if you haven't watched Paris is Burning, what are you actually doing? Have you watched Paris is Burning, Marvin? <laughs> no. Wow. Okay, that's <laughs> unfortunate on so many levels. Okay, but if you just like, made that point, then Marvin just came through with a... <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't. Anyway, but if you're a Drag Race fan especially, please, for the love of God, watch Paris is Burning, watch Pose, please... Go to the original sources of of what is now pop culture. Mm-hmm. You should definitely watch it. Yeah. Do you, you, someone who likes like historical things, you definitely also enjoy it. And just one point about legendary. And I know we talked about this the first week. I just want to say this again. Naomi, thank you for you. <laughs> thank you for being the rock in this truly gobsmackingly horrendous judging panel. I almost died again with this week's episode when um, Deshaun asked, I don't know what house it was, were they walking? It was right before Category and, oh, it was before Old Way. So Vogue, for those of you who don't know, um, when it comes to voguing and dancing, they're generally like two main categories. So there's Vogue Femme and then Old Way. So Vogue Femme is where you see people do... That's now beyond the like fundamentals of voguing, which is like camp performance and floor work and what what duck walk. But like beyond that, like the two main categories are old way and vogue femme. Vogue femme is when you see the girls do all the flips and kicks and it's a dip here, dip there. People going, ah where old way um is a lot it's slower, it's more about uh making poses. Poses, symmetry, um, showing strength, it's um, very, it's, yeah, it's actually, it's, uh, in many ways, it's nice to see, but when you see both, it's nice at a ball, but what frustrated me yet again was Megan Thee Stallion, and Megan stands, <laughs> y'all can come for me, it's fine, don't care. Um, when Deshaun asked Leomi what she wants from Old Way, and she gave like a good description of like, she wants the, um, when, when it comes to Old Way, it's A, B, C, D. Swing to Megan. Megan Thee Stallion, what are you looking for? Attitude. Mind you, also, there was the mummies category, guys. Don't forget that. So, most of their faces were covered. 
So yet again, Megan Stalin was sitting there and her only contribution was attitude and I almost screamed. I'm just, ugh, I've... The frustration I have with that woman on the panel just grates my tits. And then beyond that, at the top of the show, Deshaun goes, queer icon, no LGBTQI icon. And then subsequently says, Kelly Osborne. Now I want to know what white gay died and made Kelly Osborne a queer icon. Did I miss the agenda meeting? Was it on in the minutes on a meeting I missed? Like, where did this happen? Just, it's just, the show is so good and the judging panel is so trash. It takes, it frustrates me beyond belief because, and I know it's the first season, I know this is, with many shows, first seasons are kind of, you, you try a lot of things, but there, there are a lot of questionable choices and it's not the houses because the houses have been amazing. Um, they've provided a lot, uh, enough drama that you would usually see at balls. It's the performance has been, the performances have been amazing, but the judges, my God, guys, it's just ask any, anyone watching the show. It's the judges that is really making us all cringe every time someone opens them up. And I can still deal with Jamila. I can deal with Jamila. I can deal with law, but the guest judges and Obviously, except Dominique, because Dominique was everything. She needs to be permanent. If HBO, if you're listening, make Dominique a permanent judge. Um, but it's just, sorry, I just need to get that read out. Okay, sorry, I'm done. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's like, um, I'm actually one of the few who... Um, it's not that I don't mind the judging panel. I just think I completely get that it's the first season of the show. So I... As per usual, I'm in the minority <laughs> when it comes to kind of like watching their things because like um, a lot of the frustrations that Jamal's having um, is something that a lot of other people on the timeline um, have been sharing about the show itself. Um, so um, I get it. I don't mind. Yes, the judging could definitely be better, but it's the first season of the show. So they need to find what works, what doesn't. Um, and also, it brought more people to the show, so... Like, maybe good, bad, bad publicity or criticism is helping the show because more people didn't get to talk about it, but... Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, is there anything else that, like, we've really, that's really been stand out this month? I don't think, I think that's been it, content. since everything is now... I don't know what we're going to do since nothing filmed because of Miss Coco, so it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see what happens when America exit summer and goes into fall and no one filmed which means we won't have anything to watch oh. <laughs> I'm still so like there's still so many like other things that I haven't watched because I've been so busy I still just need to catch up on um this is I still need to catch up on the second season of Pose but again as I said COVID-19 is just making it really difficult for me to watch intense shows so I have to kind of like be in the right mood um, and just kind of feel what I want to watch. Okay, on a semi-lighter note, <laughs> thank you, Miss Giselle, for yet again coming to us in the dead of the night. Um, I know you love that crawl, um, but can you just give us a little bit of warning? <laughs> so for those who don't know Beyonce, Giselle knows Carter dropped a new track and she said, I'm going back to the South. I'm going back, 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 back. <laughs> Black Parade in honor of Juneteenth. Um, 
That's a dope song. Um, Definitely made for the Black Americans. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it was it's like how the gift was for Africa. The Black Parade was specifically for Black Americans. Look, the song is nice. I like it, but will I be pumping it like? Every day, nah, like I like B and I love her, but like the song was clearly not for me. Mm. Um, it was for black Americans, and I think yet again, Beyonce with a burner account <laughs> saw you hoes saying dragging her for saying people of color in that weird video with the music in the background. And this time around, she was like, okay, let me just use black with my whole chest. And a capital B, and then subsequently also on her mommy blog, known as her website, <laughs> um, she also posted uh, queer, uh, queer, black business, small black businesses, which was curated by two people. I don't know. Just check her website there. <laughs> um, so again, Beyonce using a platform yet again to uplift other black people. So everyone can shut up now. Beyonce's purse stays open. Um, and I know we're talking about Eat the Rich and I get it, like, realistically, that's not going to happen anytime soon. So please, everyone can shut up about Beyonce now. Go check on your fave Onika Tanya Mirage, who is still out here with the pedophile and shut up. That's all I have to add. Naim and Jamal, why must you bring that up? I was just saying, like, please, <laughs> leave my fave alone. Hey, <laughs> leave my fave alone. <laughs> Um, I, I agree with Jamal in like the whole thing about where, um, the song is coming from. I do, and I have to quote this, I do like how she came to drag people also within the song. So in the lyrics, she says, talking, talking slick to my folk, lift that lip like lipo. Kardashians, anyone? <gasps> Yerim Sormin, right? Bees is known to bite because... Let's be honest, we all know the beehive doesn't sting. <laughs> Y'all people be savage. We're not savage, we just, it depends on what you're doing. Like, what the fuck do you mean? <laughs> oh, you're funny, aren't you? <laughs> no, we don't sting anymore. That's a personal just... reference, it's an inside reference. If you happen to see the video, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> uh, we don't sting anymore, we, we're a bit more grown. We just, when B gives the signal, then we attack. <laughs> Otherwise... And sometimes she doesn't even give the signal when you guys no, attack. No, we know our queen. It's <laughs> not like Nicki Minaj's fans who just go on Rogue and then she lets them just go wild. Because the day you say anything negative about that woman, and then it's like, all you see is these RVs in your mentions with 200 followers. And I'm like, why am I arguing with a child? Anyway. Um, yeah, no, like yeah. the song. I also like it, but like you said, it's not something I would listen to, listen to religiously. Mm. I'll listen to it for, for the Asuma. But even if you're going to talk about uh, the other side of the spectrum that we have been listening to, it has rained on me with Miss Grande and Gaga's soul and repeat. But <laughs> we can't talk about that without talking about the mess that is Frankie Grande. Oh, Frankie. Okay, so I don't know if Frankie enjoys being dragged by the gays. What happened? So basically, I think that Frankie celebrated three years of sobriety, which deserves a round of applause. Yes. That deserves a round of applause. I don't know her, so I'm not going to clap. 
No man, Frankie had a, I, I don't know, he had addiction, he, it's not specific in which, which addiction with was, what yeah. substance it was. So while that is admirable, Frankie then decided to commemorate his three years of sobriety. Nachi then uploads a video of him doing an acoustic version of Rain On Me. <laughs> and when I tell you this is terrible, guys, wow, just Frankie and living off the cloud from his sister is just agonizing to watch. Because I'm like, I'm, I listen to it just for shits and giggles. And I'm like, Frankie must know that the gays don't like him. Like, I'm sure he is fully aware that the gays do not like him. Except for those weeho gays that circle around him, i.e. Shangela and Eureka. And all the facts that are always in his mentions that all live in West Hollywood. Uh, but We can play a bit of it because it's a cover. So it's not like the actual song. So wait, it just... Is this real? Yes. yes. Sounds okay. At least I showed you showed me nothing at all. It's coming down on me. Water like misery. So that should basically. It is just. I'm like Frankie. Like it goes on for like that for for quite a while. It's just for you, Frankie Grande. I'm like I get it. Like you're celebrating three years of sobriety. But why must you always rely on your sister for clout? Like, it gets tiring. Because he also did, like, a video cover thing where he was in the shower and Yes, when Rain On Me first dropped. Oh, my God. I'm like, girl, we get it. Like, there wasn't a copyright strike. Yes, it was copyright strike. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh, I died. Oh, I cackled. Like, oh. And also, like, this, like, there were just so many memes. And, like, again, the one I love was the one of, like, so Joan Grande is... Um, their mother and it was the whole thing of um, so the meme was like this woman getting up from the chair going to the bathroom and then someone quotes it and saying Joan Grande getting up um, after she hears Frankie going to the bathroom to shut off the water <laughs> because <laughs> she knows he's about to perform rain on me and I was like wow so he just gets dragged very often and um there's like, it's just a thing of, we wouldn't be also dragging Frankie so often if he just like, not does he really stayed in his lane, there's a, there's a line of being supportive and then wanting to use some of your sister's clout for yourself. But see, when do we draw that line with, with him? That's very easy. So, one thing would be to post, take the thank you next era, great example. It's one thing to post a link and say, hey, my sister's new album is out. Here's the link. Pa. It's another thing to do a photo shoot, recreating the cover art, posting that with the link. Do you see the difference? Mm. <laughs> it's cloud chasery because Frankie, and it be, it, you could see it when the gays started moving to Miss Grande because Ariana's initial audience was like, Teeny, tweeny girls, and then I think the Dangerous Woman era, or just right before that, the album where I think Mac Miller's on one anyway. The album right before that, I wasn't there yet. I only got on this train halfway through Dangerous Woman, and no, then I was on from Dangerous Woman. That was the album that I was halfway there, there, and then the thank sweetness last thank you next era was where I was like, okay, you have me. But I think Frankie could see that Ari's audience became. Very much the same as 
other pop divas where it's this big conglomerate of gay men just swarming and living. And Ariana also gives... You can see, there's, there's this thing... We she have, comes from Broadway. The gays were always going to be in a camp. <laughs> but there's this thing about like gay culture where like, we know when, especially female artists, when they make a song, you can hear it's for the gays. Like you can... The, the, everything about the song says a drag queen is going to perform. Like it's just... <laughs> there are those songs where you can just feel it like Into You as a great example of that and Break Free. It was songs that were made for the gays. Like, and Ariana knows this. Anyway... Frankie then uses this clout now to gain some gamer status because the detox is so lovely. Um, there's a difference between famous and gamers, and Frankie Garner is definitely gamers. Like he, yeah. everyone, if you are in any community, gamers is gay famous. Yeah, if you're in any like city that has like a queer neighborhood or big queer presence, they will know who we will know who Frankie Grande is. Yeah. Middle of South Africa, not so much, but in Cape Town, if Frankie Grande ran around here, we would probably all see him. Um, and he just, it's just the way he leeches off his sister is so off putting, man. And he's just like, look, I appreciate faggoty fags, but like, I myself am also a faggoty fag. But not all the time. And it's like, it's always, it feels like Frankie shits rainbows. And it's just. Maybe he's happy for her. Yeah, there's a difference of like being happy for your sibling and then being overtly trying to detract attention from them because that's what it feels like it feels like every time Ariana drops something he will then yes he's kind of doing something to support her but he's doing it to pull some of the attention to himself and that's just like someone who's not capable enough of shining on their own or like maybe is not like it's just a, there's a level of toxicity there for you to feel the need to want to steal some of that attention for yourself because you're not happy to just let your sister or this person that you care for have this moment you now must also share in this moment that would be like Solange jumping in every time Beyonce drops something mm, I get you but because Solange is a whole human being with mm. her own career, her own thing, she doesn't... Solange is very much her own entity. Beyonce is her own entity. And they actually... Tina said in one of the documentaries that they went to counselling for Solange to deal with her sister being Beyonce. And I think with Frankie, it's just... Mm. It's frustrating because you can see he's grasping at attention based off of his sister's accomplishments. She... And his sister becoming... A pseudo gay icon now just gives him more clout to work with. So every time Ariana does something, there's the belief Frank is in the wings doing something. Shim, I feel sorry for him actually. And like, but we're saying this without kind of like, we don't want to also detract the fact that Frankie is talented. When you actually kind of sit down, this man has been on Broadway and not just any. Tom, Dick or Harry will get on board because that's a dream for so many people. So man has his own talents. It's just, for some strange reason, I think he's just not okay with the level of success that he has. Or it seems like he's not okay with the level of success that he has because clearly he's successful enough to make a career and like have built a name for himself. Because um, people were really starting to like him when he was on that season of Big Brother, he played the game really well in America. And then people made fan edits of him and another guy. It was like a showman's, like, it w the other guy was straight, but like they played it up and 
it gained him attention and it was just the whole thing of now why couldn't you just be okay with like having your own level of of success why did it have to be the thing of now wanting to almost leech off your sister like you're talented enough to stand on your own and, and make your yes you're not gonna yes you're not gonna have her level of stardom but that doesn't mean that what you achieved is any less significant yeah, so you're still Ariana's brother no one else is Ariana Grande's brother like no one is taking that away from you but we also don't want you in our face every time your sister does something and we collectively going yes bitch why and then you pop up here like a fucking troll in the night and be like well, no one called for you like why are you here and it is what huh yeah and no. if you want to speak of other trolls we have to mention Tyrese and just <laughs> The clownery that was this week. Ah, Tyrese. So for those who don't know, Tyrese crying on the internet, Gibson. <laughs> decided in the middle of us fighting for Black Lives Matter, you know we're fighting Black Lives Matter, all Black Lives Matter, this includes trans lives, uh, queer, black queer lives. We're fighting this fight, breaking down white supremacy, Trump is being an idiot. Woo, we are all together here in this fight. Here comes Tyrese. Post the picture as it was a collage um, of basically a reverse reversal of roles with white people and black and people of color insinuating that somehow white people in South Africa were being oppressed. What was the actual caption? This is what what this is what happening in South Africa right now or something. It's funny enough to get the actual thing. I got the gist. <laughs> Um, and it's just, it's, what's weird is because Tyrese was here for like, he was filming something, he was legit here for a couple of months. He met Winnie Mandela even before she died. Um, and we all were just, it's not, it's not there. Yeah, man pulled, pulled it down. It was just, we all looked at him like, babes, what are you actually doing? Like, we're busy here fighting white supremacy and you decide now is the time. To champion the Afriforum agenda. Yeah, and champion reverse racism. I'm like, what, huh? Whomst? Where? And I'm like, babes, you clearly don't know South African black Twitter. We'll bully you off the internet. We've done it to many other people. Um, yeah, I was just confused. I was like, wow. Negro, really? This is the, this is the hill you're going to die on. Okay, cool. Shout. But I'm glad that also... Um... The one other troll that was defeated was Katie Hopkins, the Wicked Witch of... I had that witch blocked. So. Oh, thank Same. God. Yeah, we were all... She's we were so problematic. She's not problematic, she's racist. Yeah, racist. She's overtly yeah. racist. What was her claim to fame? Being a racist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, she came of something in the UK. She was a pundit or something. Yeah, and then like mm. she made an episode that way, but it's not like we only just got to know her through her Twitter rantings because... Um, yeah, so Cole was just a racist troll and kept also putting down Megan along with mm. um, the rest of British media. Yeah, the flash that is also Piers Morgan, so... I'm <sighs> glad Twitter started to take down people finally after we've been begging Jack for years. Um, I hope he swings his way this way to get rid of the demagogue of South African politics because <laughs> that woman also deserves to not have a platform. Oh, I can't wait till... I'm not, I also have a blocked, but because I just couldn't anymore with yeah. Mom Helen. Your Helen Anyway, um, 
Yeah, Tyrese and reverse racism. He got dragged fully, was cackled, it was fun. Um, Black American Twitter didn't even try to defend him, they just looked at South African. <laughs> even if now you go to his Instagram post, he posted this one thing of something Black Lives Matter with uh, like a faux Rolling Stone cover with like a black woman and a child at the start at the like start of a march slash revolution march and something along the lines is like this is powerful which is actually not because black women shouldn't be superheroes children shouldn't even be on the front lines of this, of this fight because y'all like making specifically black women and black girls like these strong champions when it's they have carried the load for so long that black women are not superheroes. They should not be swoop in every single time to save all of us. Um, since they're literally like the bottom of the totem pole. Um, but always when it comes to fighting for injustice and freedom, always black women on the front lines. If, even if you look at those photos that when the Black Lives Matter movement initially started, those photos of those women standing in front of the, it was all, almost always women in standing at the front lines um, against police brutality. So I, I don't like, I also don't like images of but, um, portraying black women as these superheroes that swoop in, whoosh, um, because they shouldn't have to. We should, as a community, be together in a fight. And it always feels like black women and queer people are always on the front line, but we still, within our community, have to deal with sexism, patriarchy, um, queer phobia, homophobia, transphobia, even though we are all in this fight together. How do you feel about Tyrese and that reverse racism? I didn't follow it. Someone said it a while on the show. <laughs> this was literally just injecting myself, saying, Oh, what are you guys doing? We're making a podcast. Oh, let me see. <laughs> Uh, 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 <laughs> he's such a Gen Z. <laughs> he's such a Gen Z. Also, a, pl- a, a, pl- a round of applause to the TikTokers and Gen Z kids for that Trump rally stunt. Wow. <laughs> yes, love y'all for just making that rally flop in Tulsa so gloriously. Ah, love, love your work, girls. Love your work. Keep doing it. Kind of someone that was anti TikTok, but okay. I wasn't anti TikTok. I you was were, no. I wasn't anti. I was averse. Difference. <laughs> we were just reluctant. As as we oh wait, were, you were also yeah. I was the, mm, I was the last person mm. to join TikTok. Hypocrites. We were just reluctant. Oh, we're not hypocrites. It's just like uh, I was bullied onto TikTok. You were bullied. bullied. Yes, I you was. Were not you bullied. had joined it. My brother had joined it. The Jamal caved, and I was like. So what, I must be the last man standing on TikTok. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to be part of this fight. And like, I was like, okay, well, let me just see what this mess is about. And now I have the app and I'm on it sporadically. Um, I get what it's about. I still want to shoot that one thing that I'm never ever <laughs> going one to shoot. Thing. <laughs> the one thing I want to do, but I don't know because... We and we are aware this. about the privacy issues in China. So please don't flood our mentions about that. We know. And I know we were supposed to cancel TikTok and I'm like, okay... As soon as y'all cancel Jeffree Star, I'll cancel the oh. <laughs> Jamal is such a... Jamal. I will wait until someone else will get to it. Yeah, it's... Again, like, I think... My information is already out there. I really do not care. <laughs> I legit do not care. I don't know. These people that think you can keep your privacy... 
you would legit have to have no digital footprint to not have your information not have your information um on the internet and all my information is there i really don't care so we also have to be realistic with cancelling apps because ooh, mark is also busy with shady things and y'all are still on whatsapp so please calm down and look how we we cancelled uber but then now we all still on uber we still uber eating and now people want just to cancel um take a lot mr delivery is also part of take a lot who can we eat from so people canceling superb did we talk about superb this last week no was it last week i think it was last week but um, we i think we did talk about superbulous yeah we did um But yeah, it's just uh Yo, we can't cancel Superbulous though. Because <laughs> I know, Superbulous I mean, is cancelled, you know. That sale is coming up. <laughs> hey, well, guys, we were out and about on Saturday. Um, Why are you exposing us like this? Uh, <laughs> um, in the mall, it was like three of my real venture, our real venture outside into the... Was Jamal like first time out also in like how long? Yeah. Like, got a fight, eh? Since, since this lockdown... something days. Civilization outside. Since this lockdown started. Hey, in South Africa is a very interesting country. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey. That's codeful? <laughs> no, it's just like... I'm I'm glad. I'm personally glad I waited till a sense of normalcy settled because it doesn't feel as anxious yeah. as at the start of as lockdown. That's what it did. Um, people seem to be getting into a rhythm of sanitizing every store, mm. but also it's very weird, like how every store has different rules. Mm. Yeah. So we went into Incredible Connection, and then um, at we have your you have your hands sanitized, obviously, but then once it got to certain amount of people, security guard like put the the kind of like the the protector kind of like on, and then no one else can go inside. You're like, mm. okay, cool. Um, so we walked around and then we went out. Then you go into um, Woolies, but Woolies was the biggest store, but still like, it was really kind of like odd when we went down to like the, the Woolies food section and then there's like a, almost a whole store full of people and you're just like, what COVID? What COVID? Yeah, I guess everyone's wearing their masks, so that's the only really kind way of. you get to. Yeah, people are wearing of. their masks, but you know, I was in old khaki actually and they were quite strict because I was drinking coffee and obviously my mask was not on. <laughs> and then this girl told me, can you please put on your mask? I was like, I'm missing my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> coffee first, Corona later. That's your priorities. I mean, really. Again, it seems to be a very free-for-all smorgasbord of randomness when it comes Corona. to... Corona! <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's... It seems like Cyril set the tone for if you if we die we die may the best immune system win. And South Africans have now I feel I really feel like the motto of Mzansi currently with Miss Coco V is if we die we die, but I need to live my life mm-hmm. in a semi responsible way. But also social distancing is a is just a concept. It's it's, it's a construct. Um, <laughs> I don't know who Cyril was talking to when he said <laughs> hugging and kissing is a thing of a past. That's not what I saw when I was outside. So, I... Yeah, um, yeah ran into people I haven't seen in months, which was funny, actually, because, like, the one guy um, who is uh, an acquaintance, well, an acquaintance for me, 
but more for other people here in this room. Um, I ran into him and like could notice him immediately and he was like, he was so surprised and I was like, hey, how are you? And we chatted because actually funny enough, we traveled to the UK at the same time. So it was, um, and he, he suspected he might have had Miss um, Coco V when he came back because he had all of the symptoms and just, but I was still in Feb. So that was still like in the early stages of, we don't know what Corona is. We were still making fun of Miss Coco. But also it was a thing of, we also think that Jamal could have possibly had it because Jamal, Jamal brought Jamal it to the Western Cape when he got back and then Jamal passed it to me and Marvin and then what had happened is that I was coughing for like a whole week and I was coughing around the office but because we just thought COVID was there so we don't know if we had it if we didn't if it was maybe just a bank or some some situation it was I didn't have any of the COVID systems I was just sneezing a lot <laughs> sorry sometimes um, we love when the English comes through <laughs> Um, I was just sneezing a lot and had like a light cold, but it wasn't like, fl- I didn't have the scratchy throat. I didn't have so, like none of the corona symptoms. I don't think I had it. So. Look, you got sick. That's all we're saying, but. Uh, we don't know. We, we just know, know that you got sick and we got if sick. If it was COVID, we got it. We can't get it again. No well, fuck. we don't know. Yeah, we just have to wait for. No one knows if immunity is an actual thing. Um, Yeah, it was was interesting being in the outside world, guys. I must say, it's weird to see how quiet things have gotten. That's going to be interesting now with restaurants reopening. It's going to be very interesting. Um, Because the reason it was so quiet is because restaurants will close still or sit down. So as soon as they... Because when the restaurants are reopening, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So... Are people going to eat with a mask on? Of course not. No. <laughs> How's this going to work? Well, you probably have to have your mask on when you get there and then obviously take it off um, while you're having dinner. Um, but talking about like um, just regulations and like people just, just being out and about, we love how Maklali went out and was just like got a tattoo. And this was before Cyril said we could go out and get tattoo, and then poor girl got trolled on Twitter. Deservedly so for that horrible poor. Oh god, it was the funniest thing on Sunday, guys. When for I tell con- you, yeah, for context, just her this poor. poor that looks like a hand with five fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and people saying the tattoo artist got tired towards the end, so we just did scrub scrub scribbles. Ah, <gasps> oh, the jokes killed me. Someone called it Paw Patrol. <laughs> Someone else said, what was the Tiger King one? Yeah, someone said, um, you guys, clearly the love for Tiger King is on next level now. Like, and, um, yeah, it's like, we didn't know Tiger King was such a, uh, uh, um, such a phenomenon. And, like, while it was funny and I cackled the whole day because I found it hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, of all the things, why are you showing us? Because you didn't have to show, again, I feel like, I don't know why people want to share every stick of information with the whole world. She could have kept the, she could have told the tattoo artist, please, tattoo artist, please keep this until the poor is done. Because you should also know that something ain't, something ain't right here. But no, you just let the internet clown you. And it, uh, guys, it was funny. Yo, I laughed. But also, like, she broke the rules. Like, many other celebrities who broke the rules 
with regards to just people having parties and dinner parties. People have masks on when they walk in, but now your mask is off, so you've missed the whole point. I don't think that's necessarily breaking the rules. It's because some of these rules don't necessarily make sense. Because if you allow churches to be open, why can't they have a house party then? I, I agree that these regulations make no sense. Like, it's this... And that, I think that's why South Africans in general have become so lax with everything. It's like a lot of regulations are, are very... Con- Contradictory. So yeah, people were on the beach and the on the, the public holiday that passed. Like everyone was just like out on the beach and it's like, oh, okay, so we just all back in the beach, walking our dogs, going for runs, going for surf. So it's just like and if we then, die, we die. I told you. And getting that point up about people going to the beach. I remember I went on the story on Thursday, and obviously beaches are closed, and I went to Sea Point of Beach, and I t- asked this guy who took his four-year-old. Um, toddler to the beach and I asked him you are aware that beaches are closed and you're not wearing a mask and he was like he is aware of it but they come from Hanova Park and the sad reality is their children aren't safe and they have to bring the children out rather here to play so they can get tired and not put their lives at risk but that's again it's another thing about um, just kind of like the privilege of where you live in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. If you come from the Cape Flats, it's like your children are at risk stepping outside of your door because straight bullets can kill them, gangs can get them, and just growing up in the Cape Flats is a fight for your life because you have to make sure you go to school, get a good education, make sure you don't fall into gangsterism and deal with all of that, or get killed by stray bullets, or get killed just because you're playing in a park and all of a sudden gang a gang war will break out in the middle of nowhere and now you're stuck in the middle of it. And um, I actually remember one experience. Um, sorry, I actually remember one experience when... Um, I was visiting my aunt in Mannenberg and then all of a sudden, so I was just playing like, it was like, it's a small kind of like, um, complex kind of thing. And then because it was just the, the Cape Flats apartment, so like it's made one way and a few levels, four levels up roughly so. And then I was playing, um, at this little jungle gym and then the oval shaped thing with all metals. And then all of a sudden you, your gunshots and then like, you just kind of like, as a young child, you just hear that sound, you know that something's not right. So then you just run and then it's um, a whole thing of like, oh, you're scared. And so instantly you could die or something could happen because immediately screaming will happen. We'll say, get inside here. And then it's kind of like, you just need to go and then get inside. And it's another thing of like how in the moment you're so scared, but there's moments of trauma kind of get ingrained into who you are as a person because you get so accustomed to it you, when you grow up on the Cape Flats when you happen to be um, coloured. It's like so many moments of trauma just like almost make up part of who you are. And again, it's like now we're at the point where um, people like joke about the fact of how we were hit by our parents and how it's like a running joke and it's like actually this is really messed up but we laugh about it and it's also why South Africans love joking at serious things because we've gone through so much even just collectively as people and 
if it's individually we've gone through stuff also where it's just like Kiki, I'm just lucky to be alive and we turn our trauma into jokes so we just have to deal it's it's a life we lead and on that somber note we're gonna take a break right here guys um yeah we'll be right back after this And we're back. So, Marvin, tell us that interesting story. Tell the listeners that interesting story you told us. So, something interesting happened today at my family gathering. Is something interesting happening today. <laughs> Sorry, just you both said interesting and I was not going to let this go without being the one to say interesting. Okay, wow. Anyway, <laughs> continue. We're listening while continuing your story. Anyway, something interesting happened today. You happy? Yes. Cool. Um, at my family gathering. Um, I have an uncle. Um, he's not even related to me. Colored uncle, guys. Do so even, he's not even related. Anyway, continue. Do I even call him my uncle? But okay. He's just someone that's married, unfortunately, into the family. <laughs> um, he is your uncle, bro. Unfortunately. And we were talking about pronouns. And he said that one of his friends said that you know we should refer to gay people as they them um she you know the pronouns and then he said he finds it ridiculous and then i was just like but you can't find it ridiculous because it's just it's how people want to be referred to as it's basically you know, having respect for people's pronouns. And he was like, no, he just finds it ridiculous and he doesn't understand the point of it, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, but should I even mention the fact that he's skinny? Yes. So here, and then he is so thin. Guys, when I say he's thin, I mean like chopsticks thin. He's so thin. So I dissed him because he's so thin. And I asked him if whether he would want people to label him as a thin creature who looks like Colin. He looks like he's disgusting actually, but okay. Let's and again, it's this thing like ugh, pronouns. I don't know why society people struggle so hard with pronouns. Yeah, Firstly, I think before we get in there, we also have to acknowledge. Sorry, I know I'm interrupting. Go, just you're not drunk enough, honestly. Like lots of. Kind of children who are educated know our people don't have the range and they also don't care about having the range so they will just talk their cuck because they think what they say is law and they've lived long enough to have such wrong opinions mm-hmm. but in my view before you interject Jamal I believe that it's just common decency and respecting what people's identity is. I don't disagree. I agree. It's just it's frustrating that such a simple concept of using correct pronouns is such a huge hill to climb over. And also, it's again this thing with cishet people, and especially cishet people of color, not understanding that sexuality and gender are not the same thing. Whoever told this man that 
gay men want to be further stay them. I don't know who provided this message. He doesn't even have friends, Jamal. That's the joke. I don't know who told him this. He has no friends. And it's just, it's frustrating because it's so simple. Just if someone says my pronouns are he, him, she, her, or they, them, or both. Um, just to refer to them with their pronouns and keep it moving. That is not that, that is really not rocket science. Like, if you really, it costs you nothing to just use people's correct pronouns. You can still drag someone without being a, a dick. Mm. Just ask me and my interaction with India Moore. It is still possible to drag someone with correct pronouns. It's not that difficult. So, um, when, while working at the, kind of like the, our publication, um, I got... Um, I met this really kind of lovely queer academic, Dr. Nix McLean. Um, so they um, asked him like, okay, would you be interested in kind of writing us a piece about the importance of correct pronouns and, um, and just like in all of this and just kind of break it down in very simplistic terms for people to kind of like understand. So it's not like too overwhelming. And um, I'll quote some of, some of it, just like the important bits and then we can carry on. So, Dr. Nix McLean, um, they wrote, You start by acknowledging why it is important to get the pronouns right. Then, you think about getting them right. And lastly, you consider some of the tricky situations or negotiations that may have to happen around pronouns. Um, and they basically said, it all essentially comes down to just being respectful and respecting um, the person's identity. So, if they're transitioning from man to woman, then you use she, her, hers. If they're transitioning from woman to man, then you use he, him, his. If they're non-binary, genderqueer, genderfluid, or agender, then you may ask for a little more guidance. Some who are outside of the binary use they, them, theirs. Others use a variety of pronouns available. It depends on what they're comfortable with. Yeah. So, all of this just comes down to ask and you'll get the answer. Yeah, and remember it's person dependent. So it's not one black, not all non-binary people. It's just a blanket they, them. It is actually, no one's going to kill you if you just ask someone, what are your pronouns? Like, no one's going to attack you. If you're unsure, especially when you're in a queer environment, um, just ask, people will say, my pronouns are he, him, they, them, or both, or she, her, or both. Or they, they're like, I don't care what you refer to, what you use, you can use anything. Um, so just ask people, like, it costs nothing. And, like, we're not perfect, don't get me wrong. Like, even us as queer people, we'll still flub with, say, for instance, with Sam Smith, um, and maybe say he by accident, but then we'll cognizantly, um, fix our error and say they, um, because it will literally just, look, all of this is a learning curve for everyone. It's not just, this isn't a cishead specific issue like we all still when it comes to this exploration of gender and navigating language and lexicon within gender we are all working towards becoming a society where we are more conscious about identity and respecting people's identities so we also make mistakes but it's the the difference is it's not it's not necessarily intentional it'll be a slip and then you just roll it back and be like oh sorry i mean whatever the actual the right pronoun is and I think that's more important than feeling like there's this thing on your shoulder where if you say use the wrong pronoun that 
um, someone is gonna the the gays are gonna or the queers are gonna attack you and kill you. It's not. It's really not about that. Um, because it it is a learning curve, especially if you knew someone um, initially as a man, and now they tell you, "Oh, actually, I'm non-binary." Uh, it there is a learning curve, like it's and you you break get to kind of recalibrate your brain because also we've been all indoctrinated with uh, gender norms and what a man looks like, what a woman looks like, and ascribed gender roles to these things that because of how society is built and the way gender um, is viewed, uh, we all innately subconsciously have this and we all have to actively unlearn a lot of these things. So it's, it's a journey as long as you try and not don't be intentional in your ignorance, don't intentionally... Um, misgender someone because that's a whole different thing and at the end there's nothing worse than um, like I, I, I watched I'm, I'm watching like top model intermediately now because I needed light stuff to watch and I tried watching Isis a cycle so Isis is a trans woman um, she was in cycle technically she was in cycle 10 but she was just in the background on the first episode then she auditioned and she got on cycle 11 and just the transphobia, people referring to ISIS as a man, a she, a he, a what, a she, him, and it was just watching it now. It's so cringe to see how blatantly these people were transphobic towards ISIS, and it's now in retrospect, I was like, wow, this really was on TV, and no one said a thing, and these girls were just comfortable in misgendering this woman referring to her as a man and I was just like wow Isis really had to sit through all of that and watch that back um, but she still was a trailblazer for the show technically if we had to be technical America's Text of Model has had more trans contestants than Drag Race that's a conversation for a different day uh, yeah no that's kind of my thoughts on the whole pronoun thing Marvin yeah I think it's just basic common decency, you know, just to be respectful to people and what they identify as, to be honest with you. Because it even took me a while to figure it out, to be honest with you. Um, how I knew about pronouns was actually through the two of you. When I first, when I, we moved in together. And obviously I close my mind when you guys talk. But sometimes... So much I, love in this place, guys. So much love. Sometimes I do listen, though, Jamal. Sometimes my, my one ear does go open and my other ear goes closed. And, um, yeah, that's how I actually, you know, started learning about pronouns and just having respect for other people and what they identify as. And just asking people. Because, like, gay people aren't going to kill you. Yeah, and it would be nice if society caught up, but we realize also like it's it's a journey for all of us. You just need to be willing to learn and unlearn. That's all we're asking. Please be willing to learn and unlearn, especially in problematic ways. That's all we ask. We acknowledge that it takes a lot of work because we didn't get to this point. We didn't one day have a moment of enlightenment where we just like, oh, wow, I certainly know everything. It's a lot of interrogating yourself it's a lot of catching yourself it's a lot of interrogating why you feel a certain way it's a lot of 
asking yourself, okay, I have this thought, this negative thought that crossed my mind. Why do I feel that way? Where does it come from? Is this really how I feel? And it's exhausting. Mm. That's why so many people are ignorant because they don't want to do the work when it comes to being a better person. Being a better person is hard. That's why like not a lot of people want to accomplish it because like it's a lot of work to just work through some of the toxic things that you learn. Anti-blackness, like um, in South Africa specifically, colored people, you we grew up with that almost ingrained in us. Mm. Um, and it's a thing that we, because um, for the longest time, our parents or maybe all the people that we look up to did this whole thing of how um, the closer to whiteness, the better. And it was even subconscious at school and growing up through. And you learn this bullshit and it's a whole thing of, once you kind of get older, you'll be like, that's really fucked up views to have. And you have to unlearn it because it's like all through your years of education and you know that you don't feel that way about black people and you you don't intend to have these biases but it's a thing of oh shit this is why do where's this toxic toxicity and toxic views coming from and you question it you have to work through it and it's it's really a lot of work of unlearning toxic things that you and toxic biases that you just have been taught by society and it's not easy it's not fun it's not pretty because you really have to confront yourself and the type of person that you are and not everyone because no one wants to feel like a bad person it's like i don't want to like think oh i'm racist or oh i've had these um negative thoughts about these people it's like no we want to be loving want to be open want to be these kinds of people but you are not bulletproof and you're not perfect and you're human and you are influenced by the society you brought in um up in and um your intersections and it's a whole lot of things that affect who you are as a person and sometimes you you have to do the work you have to interrogate it and and learn a lot of the bad habits and negative things that you're taught the thing is a lot of these things are byproducts of white supremacy that's always the thing, specifically, when you look about race within the context of South Africa, um, we're in a very unique situation. And that's why I always talk about race. When we, talk about, when we have discussions about race, um, we have global conversations. And then, so on a macro level, we'll have racism conversations. But then you kind of have to bring it down to a micro level. And our micro level will be South Africa, where because of how apartheid was structured, um, they split up people of color and black people into different segments in a way to keep us away from each other, um, thereby creating this divide within the people who are being oppressed. So, And while there are similarities, unfortunately what happened was because colored people had a I'm putting this in quotation marks, better life in quotation marks, and was seen as being treated better than black people. This rolled into a complex with colored people developed that they feel that they are better than black people, they're above black people, which then bred anti-blackness. That then also morphed its way into the colored community. And I think it's similar in the, not so much in the colored community. I'm going to speak from a colored experience here. It's just, it then morphed into colorism, hair politics, 
and axiom theory, which are all intertwined into this idea of whiteness. So if you, the lighter you are, people view you as more attractive. Depending on your hair grade, um, people view you as, uh, again, of a higher stature, more attractive. What your accent sounds like also, um, especially for me coming from a small town. I come from Nightland, which is a like small town in the garden route. Um, I know y'all love it there. Girls, it's fun for vacation, but you don't want to live the 18 years of your life. Different trauma story. Um, but like the separation between colored people who live in big cities compared to small towns and just, and also the relationship with Afrikaans as a language where when you go to bigger city, specifically Cape Town, um, Afrikaans very much is... Oh, the, the perception I got from being from a small town, Afrikaans was very much looked down upon. And like the fact that um, if you come from a, if you don't come from Cape Town, your Afrikaans dialect is also different. And that was also looked down upon. Um, all these structures just made for us to be more divided within our community and to get people to unlearn all of these things. And the irony of all of it is the fact that colored people, if you look at a colored family, Someone can look from Alicia Keys to Viola Davis and they could all be siblings. Um, but within that spectrum, you would also see they'll prop up the person who's lighter skinned, who has better quotation marks, um, great hair, uh, compared to someone who is a dark skinned person with 4C hair, who is a lot of times put down. Um, I come in a very interesting place with colorism where I'm, my mom, my mom's light skin and my dad's uh, a dark skin. So I'm like smacked up in the middle. I also, my skin tone also shifts depending on how much sun I get. So I can either look like a bronze goddess or like borderline light skin. So I'm in that middle area where I've never really had colorism issues because I was just brown. But I saw around me how... Colorism affected everyone. There's a lot to unpack. Um, I think it's just the whole thing of having to learn that, like, you also participate in it. Because, like, for the longest time, I participated in that notion of, like, especially in high school, it was like, oh, I'm not like those colors. And then, like, oh, the, the, the term that we I would, like, actually, like, use a lot was, like, oh, I'm a coconut because it was just, like, the term that your white friends kind of came up with to the, like, the whole black on the outside, white on the inside. And it was a way to also articulate yourself um, and kind of make sense of your identity when, for the longest time, you didn't feel like you fit in the colored identity, but... Um, you also, you like, your your interests and your hobbies aligned with, quote-unquote, like, your white friends. And it was just this whole thing of, like, oh, I'm a coconut. And it became this thing within this country, even, to just refer to people as coconuts um, for the longest time. And it really took a lot of growing up to unlearn how problematic that was and how damaging it was to even ourselves. Because you learn that even other colored people who had similar experiences and similar education to yourself felt the same way that like this was actually really crazy how we demeaned like not necessarily demeaned ourselves but we were we taught that almost being colored 
is was this thing of like oh we're just almost pretending to be white or um and like we're not like those colors over there or that we just because we had access to maybe um education we had access to the means that other colored people didn't and it was again it was that toxic way of thinking that just affected so much of how you saw yourself and how you saw your community and it took a lot of unlearning to get to the point like I'm proud of myself I'm proud of my community and the diversity that we have we also have to acknowledge that not everyone has the same privileges has the same access has the same means that you've mm. had yes I'm not saying that it was easy for me to get through university to from high school to university but it again as much of a challenge as it was for me I at least had the option to go to university I'm privileged enough to have gone to university to have I received the education that I have to then uh, which allowed me to get the job that I have to work my way up and and live now where I live because it was all the privileges that I had that worked together to help me get to where I am not every person has had that option and it's really tough because it affects our community so heavily and um it's really kind of difficult to to kind of see and it's a thing of because you've done the work you also then have to as as a result be there for your community to also help teach those who might not have had the same um means and it's not fun because no one wants to be a teacher but sometimes you have to do the work with your community and be like okay we're not trying to talk to you because we know better it's just a thing of these are the things that we learned and these are the ways that um how so many people feel and the things that we have learned to articulate and we just want to share that so we can help better ourselves so it's a whole thing of is so much again learning and unlearning that has to happen so much um pride you have to find within yourself and within your community to just kind of work past all those those things that society is telling you is bad oh colored people are this way colored people um speak bokan afrikaans and how that's a bad thing oh colored people um, are all gangsters or colored people are all criminals and yes some of those things exist within our community but it's like our community is very diverse like all communities are and it's very challenging to kind of um address that and it's not pretty and it takes a lot of work but again it's the whole thing of people think that just because they are wealthy and they have had like certain education it makes them feel like they're better than some people and you're not because who are you to say that what you have have accomplished matters more than what someone who hasn't had the means that you have Like that's not right to say. So that's my thoughts on colorism, Marvin. <clears throat> I think the color community is extremely narrow-minded, and they don't make an effort actually to. You all, my windows are foggy. Sure, it's Theo. He's blowing air on the windows. <laughs> And nevertheless, yeah, the colour thing is extremely difficult. No, we're going to keep no, it in. No, we're not going to cut that. Why must it be cut? <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so random. Why do you want to talk about your windows? That's fine. Continue. We're listening. All ears are open. 
except for peers. Anyway, um, the kind of community is extremely narrow-minded. Like, for example, my grandmother, she believes that women, coloured women, should, you know, they should be in the kitchen, they should raise their children, and they should, and the husband needs to, you know, provide and blah, 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 blah. And she needs to knit, especially. And it's the same thing I say today to my to my grandmother because my ten year old cousin, she, shame, she's okay, she's gonna be fine, but okay. Um, my grandmother was teaching her how to knit, but then I told her, but Oma, you can't teach her how to knit. She's only ten years old, and what if she doesn't want to knit? And my grandmother was like, no, she must learn. What else does she want to do? Just have sex all day. I said, don't get me started about cishet people and sexualizing kids. I don't even... I can be episode for another day because I have a whole rant about... We're talking about a 10-year-old child. And the more I'm telling you, it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, if she doesn't want to do this, she... She doesn't need to do it. I mean, we live in a modern world where women are in charge, are empowered, and are executives, and don't need to worry about shit, actually. But colored people... Except South African men killing them, but anyway. Yes. The the real threat to mankind. Um, But yeah, but colored people are just another breed, I think. I think... (laughs) That's rude! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we are, we are not breed <laughs> And I feel sorry for the children But okay We believe the children are future <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 We are and <laughs> Anyway Um is that your final thoughts? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay, guys, uh, we're going to take a short break and be right back. And we're back. And now it's time for the music corner. So basically, <laughs> so basically what we're going to do is spotlight maybe a favorite song or album that recently dropped, or we might just not necessarily dropped recently, but Which just... Which is something that caught our eye, I yes. think, yeah. Well, out, yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> can't really could catch your eye on a song. That's physically impossible, unless there's a visual. Um, I'll kick us off. Um, John Legend's album, I listened to it, I think, when it dropped on Friday. Bigger Love. I John Legend. I just... Uh, I enjoy this man that knows his lane and just... You know, John Legend makes music and he knows exactly the type of music he wants to make. Knows his lane, and I actually tweeted this. What was it? Yesterday or the day before? I was like, John, when you listen to John Legend, John Legend's music, it's like it makes you want to be in a relationship, hey? Because John Legend's music very much takes you from being within cuddles to being within rounds, and I'm just like, ugh. Once COVID is over, please, man, come through with the John Legend. Love me now, <laughs> love me now. Um, I don't have any specific tracks. Um, I like the whole album from beginning to end. It's it's still quintessential John Legend, but ah, love that light skin man. <laughs> Marvin, is there anything you can? Not really this week, to be honest with you. Have you been feeling left disappointed? 
Not really. I just haven't gotten the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been really enjoying um, this new song. I think it dropped a week or maybe like a week back. It's called um, God's Menu from Stray Kids. So that's been, that song was really nice. I haven't listened to, to the album yet, so that's been nice. And then I'm very much also still playing um, more and more from Twice because that's just really cute. I'm really liking that at the moment. And then, yeah, I think that's just about, that's just the thing that really got my, oh, the, the, the mini album was really nice. So, yeah, but I'm expecting um, new music to drop in a week that might catch my attention. So and I, I did see good. today, I got a Google notification that the Scorpion King, DJ Marisa, and comes this month after another album. I'm like, yo, my God. How many albums has that band dropped? I have no idea. It's just the music just keeps on coming. And once we are late outside, I cannot wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, like once we're back in in the club, it's going to be really kind of like... In 2025. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be learning dance moves again, listening to music that we all just unanimously decide we like. Because that's, that's what the Africans decide that we like music. we in the club and then... There has to be dance that's to be made, and then we agree, okay, this is the dance, and then we all somehow catch up because people share it on IG stories or on Twitter or somewhere, and then we just collectively learn the dance somehow. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> is there anything anyone wants to get off their chest? Yeah, in, um, closing thoughts, Marvin. Yeah. Anything that's vexed you. Do you want to start with me? Yes. yes. Do you want to make the opening remarks? No. Or closing remarks. We've been up. Not really. Um, this was fun. Thanks so much for all the comments. Oh my gosh, we've received so many comments. Well, I've received so many comments. I don't know about the two of you. I've also thank you guys for listening. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. We're really just doing this for fun because we plan on doing this for a while, and yeah. it's just it's a nice little outlet that we're having fun with. Yeah, I received a lot of criticism because of I know that y'all who listen to you are critique bitches. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I do appreciate. So the person that said we need to buy electricity, can you buy us electricity, bitch? <laughs> First of all. I mean <laughs> Okay anyway Thanks for the comments I have something on my chest Oh yeah dude. Half an hour I said half an hour I wanna drag my, I wanna just have my attention the, Bring my thoughts To the Drag Race producers Um <laughs> This is again <laughs> Just Drag Race producers You fags there We see you this last week's episode, I know I spoke about it earlier, but I just want to be a bit more specific. Please, don't overproduce the show. Y'all overproduced this last episode, where within the first five minutes, I knew, exa- I knew Mariah was leaving. Because we've gone down this road before with... When you've watched up to 16 seasons of a reality TV show, you kind of see the way they edit things. And I would just like to implore y'all, please... Stop overproducing the show. We can see we can we see each other. It's like we're not dumb. Um, as drag race fans, um, let the queens be and let things happen organically. Um, it's getting really annoying watching the show and seeing clearly people are being propped up for storylines or contestants are. Um, you can see you can literally I could see in that conversation the morning conversation between Alexis and Cracker. 
you could see a producer went to a lap Alexis and said, Hey girl, bring this up please. Because it felt out of left field, out of nowhere, it didn't feel natural, it it felt like forced drama. It's a bunch of drag queens. Let the drama happen organically. And after this, luckily COVID happened now too, so hopefully everyone can take a break. Can we just have a little bit more of a break at Drag Race? It was nice when we had that long break because y'all couldn't decide when to drop All Stars. But now here we are again. Season 12 ended. Season All Stars 5 started. Also now, smacked up in the middle of All Stars, uh, we have um, Canada's Drag Race starting on the 2nd of July. And I do love having... Look, to get me wrong, I'm a huge Drag Race fan. I love all things Drag Race. Ask anyone. I watch a shit ton of Drag Race related stuff. I'm there watching Fashion Photo Review, watching um, recaps and reactions. You know, I'm there. Watching viewing parties. You know, the girl, I'm there. But I just... I think what needs to happen is there needs to be a break where y'all can just sit back and look at the show and figure out what works and what doesn't work. Because y'all are rolling this show out like it's a factory and it's become more and more apparent. Like, the quicker y'all roll it out, the quicker we sit with episodes like this last one where the challenge was you rehash this challenge from season from All Stars 4. You Contestants tried to recapture magic, which didn't happen. So we had a trash challenge. The runway was also hot garbage. Um, the judging also left us all very confused because we sat there as an audience and like, are we looking at the same thing? So when this is done, and I know Miss Coco V probably stopped production, please, for 2012, I don't want to sit next year and it be UK2, then directly after UK2, it's, um, this is Drag Race UK, UK2, then it's Season 13, then it's All Star 6. Give us just a little bit of a break so we can also enjoy the show a bit more again. Like, we need a breather in between because there's too much drag race all at once. And don't forget we had Celebrity Drag Race also smacked up in the middle of, well, Celebrity Drag Race with very few celebrities. But don't want to talk about that because that also vexes me on so many different levels. I'm looking at you, Madison Bear. Anyway, that's all I have to say is just please, producers, sit back, reevaluate, recalibrate. And give us the show we want. That's me. So, um, the thing that I just wanted to talk about um, earlier with like, Love, Simon, that I mean, Love, Victor, that we kind of didn't get around to, was just that I understand there's a lot of criticism um, about the show at the moment and like how there's, um, which is rightfully so, about the lack of gay actors on the show. It's like, how do you have a show about coming out and there's no gay actors? That's a bit messed up. Um, so please fix that for season two. But also, like, the criticism that about the show being kind of too slow, it was just a thing of, they made the first season for Disney+. Plus, So obviously it was a different situation, and by the time they wrapped, they found out that they're moving to Hulu, and it just messes with everything. And so hopefully season two will be better. Hopefully they'll fix the mistakes, but one can live in hope. Um, please watch queer content. Please watch um, things with black people in it because I know some of y'all just like watching shows that with of people who look like you but you don't want to acknowledge anything else that's happened so please fix that and that's all, all it from my side yeah. that is it from my side sorry cool mm. guys that's another episode yay I <laughs> am Jamal Dean G on all platforms I am at the Lion Matters on Instagram and Twitter. 
I am at Marvin Charles 17 on Twitter and at Marvin M. Charles on Instagram. Are you? Are you? Are you sure? Are you sure? I can't remember. Let's do this. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Love you. Bye.